I have a question. Just to help me understand who's out there and where you're at, how many of you are married? Okay. How many of you are, are dating someone seriously now? I should see some hands go up. Okay. And of course, how many of you wish you were dating somebody? Oh, we don't have it. Okay. There's some honest people there. That's good. That's good to know. You're human. Well, anytime when you're dating someone and, and it looks like it's going to be serious and you're going to make a commitment towards to each other, you're going to have something called a DTR. Now, how many of you know what a DTR is? Okay. A DTR is define the relationship. Now, this past week happened to be the anniversary of, of my wife, Terry, and I, our first date that we had together this past week. It was February 16. So 30 years ago, on February 16, we had our first date. Hey, that's pretty good. I remember, right? And, and on that date, it, it could have been disastrous because uh, you never know when you go on your first date that, that the person you're going out with, especially with women, they may be testing you. And, and then, so I don't know if I actually passed the test or not because we, we went out to dinner and, and actually she actually invited me to go out. So uh, this was a little bit different. I usually call people up, but she actually called me up to, to ask me to go out to dinner. And, and, and part of the reason, there's another story, is because actually we had been communicating over the phone and by, in those days, there's no, inter, there's no internet, so there's no email, so he's just writing cards and letters and things like that. So that's how we were communicating. And, and she had told me that she was going to be away that week for a conference. Uh, and, and so I didn't expect to be able to see her that weekend. But out of the blue, she called and she said she canceled her trip and that she actually wanted to go out to dinner with me. So we did, and, and when the bill came, uh, I, I usually just leave it there because I'm not in a rush, and usually guys, you know, you pick up the, the check, right? But Terry actually picked up the check for me, and, and she said, that's okay, I'll pay. Now, at that moment, after I reflect about it later, but at that moment, I said, oh, okay, sure. Now, <laughs> so that could have been... <laughs> So as I said, that could have been a test, right? And I, 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 in, in retrospect, I think, well, I could have failed the test because I didn't actually fight for the check. I just said, oh, okay. In my mind, I'm thinking, wow, she's paying. I said, this is a keeper. <laughs> so later, after dinner, we, we went to her parents' home, and we, 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 we were talking, and, and uh, I think we talked, like, for hours. But can you believe on our first date, Terry actually had a DTR with me. And, and this is mind-blowing, right? Because this is our first date, and she's already having a DTR. And part of the reason is because Terry had just come out of a relationship with another, another person, and, and uh, it wasn't the greatest, uh, and, and some of it was partly because Terry, if you know her, she's a godly woman. And, and she was actually dating a guy who was not a Christian. And it was a guy who was saying, oh, yeah, I'm interested about Christianity and going to church. And then her hope was that he would convert. But as they were dating, and it was like two or three years, the guy kept saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. But he never actually committed. 
So Terry, knowing that 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 was not God's intentions to be essentially unequally yoked, she essentially broke up that relationship and said, you know, it it doesn't appear to be that you're, you're serious about your faith thing. And, and so on this first day, on this DTR, Terry had to make sure, first, what is my intentions with her? And then secondly, she went and um, questioned me about my faith in God, my commitment to Jesus Christ. And so I have to admit that at that time, I was unchurched. But I had made my commitment to Christ about three years earlier, but I had not really found a church home. And, and during that DTR, that was part of the process that we were sharing where I was. And, and Terry, you know, being steadfast in her belief that she had to, to go out with a guy who was a Christian, she had to establish that with me. And that's actually where I got invited to Christian Layman Church. And here I've been for 30-something years. So that's, that's a little bit of history there. But as we began to date, right, in any dating relationship, certain things happen in, in the relationship. And these are certain signs that would be considered uh, healthy in, in any dating relationships. One, that w- when you get to spend a lot of time together, when you're away from each other, you actually kind of miss them, right? The, 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 that you actually physically miss the person that you've been hanging around a lot. And that's actually a good sign that your relationship is actually developing. Second thing you, that happens is that you actually know so much about them, is that Everything about them you get to learn because you're spending a lot of time, you're talking, and you're just observing each other. So it's not just the verbal things that they say, but you actually images of them are imprinted in your brain. And you actually even can un, um, know their smell. I, mean, I know it's kind of odd, but if you actually, those who are married, you can actually smell, understand, recognize the smell of, of, of your spouse. And, and it, it's something that happens over time. And then the third thing in a relationship that happens is that you can't stop talking about them to other people. Those of you who, who've dated and have been in serious relationships and those who are married now, you know that happens. First thing you do is you, can't, you miss them when they're away. You, you know everything about them. And then also you, you talk to them and share about them to your family and friends. And that's normal. And where I'm going with this is that if those are the characteristics of, of what it is to date someone seriously, to have a relationship, there are some parallels and, and some transfer to our relationship with God. And that's why during this Lent season, if you're not there or you don't, haven't thought about that, I want to challenge you that you take a DTR with God during these following weeks and to see if you see any of these characteristics of a a healthy affectionate relationship in your relationship with God and what I'm talking about here is a picture of a rich and holistic relationship with Jesus Christ and it could be described in this way if you could remember anything from my message this morning It would be this, that our devotion and delight in God should cause us to ache for him, to have him always on our minds, and we can't stop talking about him. It is that we would ache for him, that we can't get him out of our minds, and we can't stop talking about God. 
And if your relationship is not like that, and you find that that's missing, I encourage you to make changes so that it would make, make it so. As I said, loving God is more than just a head thing. It has to be a heart thing too. Affection is not optional. And when we make these changes, why? Why do that? Why have this holistic, how, why have this um, meaningful and affectionate relationship with God? The reason is it brings joy to your life. And joy is something that I think a lot of us don't understand and may not have. We actually kind of did a little survey and talked to people in our congregation. That is one of the number one things that people are saying that they lack. They lack joy in life. And it's easy to, to happen because, as I said, life is hard. We can drift away from God in the day-to-days. There are hard stuff to encounter every, every week. And when that happens, it draws us away from God. And when we are drawn away from God, we can lose the source of true joy. Joy is not predicated on circumstances. You can have joy even in hard times. It's different from being happy or happiness. Happiness is due to happenstances, to circumstances. So joy is more powerful than happiness. And that is something I believe all of us want. And actually, that is what God brings and offers to all of us, is to have joy in life. So when you are having your, your DTRs this week, I want you to ask this question. Is my relationship with God causing me to have an ache for him? What does it mean to ache? Biblically, what does it mean to ache? Well, to help us, I want us to... Go to Psalm 42, verse 1 to 2. And I like what the psalmist writes here. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Psalm 42, verses 1 to 2. So how does it feel to pant? What does it mean to pant? How many of you have dogs? Dogs pant, right? I remember when I would take my dog for long walks and you run them, you play hard with the ball. They get sweaty and they start panting. Pant to pant, when the dog is panting, they're breathing heavily and they're actually thirsty. They're dehydrated. So when the scripture is saying there that the deer pants for streams of water, it means that the, the deer is really thirsty. And how many of you have actually been really, really thirsty? If you've gone on long hikes, right? Some of you have ever gone to up Half Dome and come back down, it's actually the grueling part gets coming back down, and you're dried out, and your mouth is dry, and all you want is something cool to drink. So when you're physically thirsty or physically uh, having pants, you are actually hurting. It's actually a physical thing. And so that's what the scripture is saying here, is that the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. Is that we would want God so much that it would hurt us 
would not be so. So when you're thirsty, what does it mean to be thirsty? It means you're dehydrated, right? And, and, and as I said, when you go on these long hikes, you can, when you physically exert yourself, you can get thirsty. One of my things I love to do, I just heard like Ethan likes to play basketball. I, I love basketball. I've played it since I was a little kid. And I can remember just almost every day we would just go out and play basketball. I mean, in those days, there was nothing else but to go out and play ball. There's no, really nothing on TV. There's no internet, as I said, and all that kind of stuff. But all we did was play ball. And, and when we were in college, every Saturday, we would go to this playground and play. And there was actually a gym. That's another story. We would use uh, creative ways of getting into the gym with a coat hanger. You can figure that out. But we would play in the gym or in a playground. But during the summertime, we would do this every Saturday. And a bunch of guys, we, we, no matter what college we went to, if we were still in the area, if we were out of the area, we came back, we would go play ball on, on, on Saturday. And, and if you ever played in the summertime, it's really warm, right? And, and, and when I was younger, yeah, you could play on hard court, on asphalt, and there's no problem with the body. So you could play for three to four hours in the hot sun and, and in those days, right, and I, probably college students understand this, you don't really wake up very early in the morning on Saturdays. That's the day you sleep in. So by the time we roll out of bed, it's like noon, and then we go out in the courts, it's about 1 o'clock. And that's usually when the sun is beating down the hottest, right, to be in the summertime, to be playing basketball at 1 o'clock on hard asphalt. So it's very easy to build up a sweat. And when you do, um, you're thirsty, right? Now... Here's the odd scene. So the guys I usually play with, they're all usually Asian-American guys. So it's, there was this one Caucasian guy that would play with us. He was kind of middle-aged, kind of out of shape. Wasn't that good a basketball player, but we let him play. And the reason why we let him play is because he knew how to um, capture our, our loyalty to him and our friendship. Because every Saturday, he would bring a big ice chest full of cold drinks. So that when we're playing out there in a hot sun, the first thing you would think of is having a cold, tall one, right? So he would do that, wouldn't charge us anything. It would be a big full ice chest, and we could drink as much as we could. And so I, just, I want you just to... to, to to humor me now, close your eyes. Just close your eyes and imagine yourself in the hot sun. You just played two to three hours of basketball and you are sweating and you are thirsty. And you go to that ice chest and you hear this. Right? That is so amazing, so soothing. To hear that sound. It's universal. I don't have to explain what just happened. Right? But that's what the scripture is telling us. Is that when you are thirsty. When your soul is thirsty. God is there. Ready. To open up a cold tall one. And to quench your thirst. And the psalmist writes. When can I go and meet with God? That's the secret to 
to when you are panting, when you are thirsty, it is to go meet with God because he will quench your soul and your thirst. And that's why we're going to have, I encourage you to have DTRs, to have that time with God. And it should actually be a daily one because life is hard. And it's only when we meet with God that our soul will be quenched. So that was the first thing in a relationship is that our bodies would ache. And if we love God, it would ache for God too. The second thing is that when we have a relationship with God, during our DTRs, if we can figure out if our relationships with God will have, uh, that, that God is always on our mind. That we can hear God's voice clearly. Uh, this last couple of weeks, I've been going on this kind of spring cleaning thing. I'm trying to clear out some stuff from the garage. We have boxes stacked in there, and a lot of it is, is just basically um, receipts, tax receipts and, and forms. And, you know, you're supposed to keep them for, what, seven years or something like that because the IRS can go back seven years usually. Unless you're committing fraud, they can go back to eternity, I understand. But after seven years, you can kind of destroy it. And so I've been going through those boxes and, and shredding shredding the, the, these receipts and tax forms. And, and among those things, I'm finding these calendars. And, and, and some of them are, are, are Terry's date book. And that's where I found one of Terry's date books. And that's where I saw she had marked in the date book that first date we had. So, so I, I cheated a little bit. But so, <laughs> so that's where I found out. And, and, and that was cool that she kind of like a diary had all these date books and, 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 and then I was just flipping through it and in that date book she, she put down every time we met and, and it just was a sign to me that, 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 that I was on her mind a lot because they're documented in the date book was each time that we got together and, and so when I, I'm coming up here is that when, when we have the, these thoughts, when we're dating someone, they're in our memory. We just remember a lot of things. When we uh, had dinner, when we had our phone call, or we went play tennis or whatever, it, they're, they're memories. And so that's the same thing I'm asking you. Do you have those memories of God? Is God in your mind that when you sit there, you can think of times that you had with God. And if you haven't, then I encourage you to start plugging those things into your memory banks to know that, that God can be something, uh, someone that can be in your minds all the time. Deuteronomy 11 verse 18 says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. So one way that we can have God on our mind is to also have his words in our mind. And his words are those that are printed in that Bible. And in this season, one of the challenges that, that we'd like to encourage everyone to participate in is to have scripture memorization, Bible memorization. That is one way you can implant God's words into your mind constantly. John 10 says, Jesus 
in, in John 10, Jesus is talking about a shepherd and his sheep, right? About his flock, and that a they that a shepherd will know his sheep and his sheep will know the shepherd, even down to to the sound of his voice. I think there's a, a video somewhere I've seen before where uh, a shepherd will call and the flock of sheep would just follow the sound of the shepherd. And it's just not anybody's voice because I think there's, there's a funny YouTube video of some stranger trying to call the sheep, but the sheep ignore him because that's not their master. But the rancher or, or sheep herder, when he calls out, the sheep will follow. So it's a great demonstration. But the scripture says here in verse 14 in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And further down in verse 27, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So how do you know Jesus' voice? One way is to memorize scripture. The staff is, is doing this as part of our Lenten preparation. Uh, Pastor Andrew has been enjoying this, and he's challenged the rest of the staff to join him in this, this discipline. Now, when he first suggested a staff meeting, uh, a lot of us were pretty resistant. And, and, and I can't speak for everybody else, for myself, I was too. Because, you know, at my age, there is not much more than can go into this head. <laughs> It's pretty full. And so for me to start memorizing more verses, it's not that I don't memorize verses, but to memorize certain more verses, it's like more work. And then there's probably a rebellious side to me too. It's like, oh, do I really have to do this? So initially there, is, there was some, some resistance. But something uh, we learned, actually we learned last week, because the uh, staff went to a conference called Catalyst, and and one of the speakers there was talking about how the mind can control the body, right? So when, when we think we can't do something, yes, it will not happen, right? If you have negative thinking, it's, it's virtually impossible to do something. But there is tricks that you can trick the mind so that it doesn't know what's happening. Your body can do some amazing things. Those of us who play sports, right? A lot of it is a mental thing. It's the same shot from, from 27 feet for a three-pointer, but if you're not confident, where the mind is not confident, your body's gonna react and say, oh yeah, it's not possible. But when you're confident, you know, yes, I can do it every time, it's a lot easier, and it does usually happen. So, so what I'm getting at with this resistance, I, at first I was saying, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, but then I said, no, let's try it. And as I was learning to, to, to memorize certain verses, and one of the verse, verses, the passages that, that uh, Pastor Andrew wanted us to, to learn was 1 Corinthians 13, uh, chapter 13, verses uh, 1 to 7. So it's 1 Corinthians 13. So it's a well-known one. It's one that's read many times at, at weddings, right? But... It, it was a chore. So each day we had to learn one verse, and then by a week's time we'd know all seven, and then just repeat it over and over again. It's the one, you know, it says, uh, if I speak in the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, but have not love, I am what, uh, a resounding gong and, or a clanging cymbal. If, we, if you're going to do that, 
it is hard, but it gets easier and easier as you do it. And what's cool about memorizing those verses is that there are three practical things that happen when you memorize verse, verses. One is that uh, as I was starting to practice this, then I would get it familiar enough that you can do it in the car. You can turn your car into a mini sanctuary or prayer closet as you're driving places. And that's a good way of just going through memory verses in the car. Or another favorite place where God speaks to me is when I shower. So I don't know if that's the same thing we do, but when I'm taking a shower, that's another time to go through memory verses and in doing some prayer time when I am showering. I know during the drought, it's a little bit harder to keep have water running, but it's one of my uh, cheap luxuries there. But that's another way, place where you essentially have the Bible on the go. Because if you don't have to carry a, the book, the Bible around with you, you have it in your memory, you have a reference already in you. And it's really convenient, especially to have devotion times uh, on the go. And then a second thing that's very practical about having Bible memorization is that it, it's useful in what I call the heat of the moment times in your life. And I, I heard this from one of the uh, stories from Pastor Andrew, actually from Raina, is when the kids were being a little bit naughty during the day, she would repeat 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. And she would say that over and over again when the kids were being naughty. And that's one way of gaining self-control during times like that is when scripture verses will pop up in times of need, especially what I call those heat of the moment times in the day. And that's another practical use of scripture when you have it memorized and then a third way that it's really important and something that I think maybe is not used as much by many of us, but scripture verses are very useful and valuable when you're sharing the gospel to other people. To, to just say, memorize scripture verses when you're sharing about God to others is very important. And that's something obviously as pastors we do that a lot we, when we do uh, house visitations or hospital visitations, when we're dealing with families that are grieving, um, when they've lost a loved one during premarital counseling or when marriage, uh, married couples want counseling, it's very important that we actually have verses already memorized that we will say without using reading from a book and sharing the gospel to others who don't know Christ, knowing scripture verses is very important. So that's the second thing, right? So in a dating relationship, the first thing is that your body would miss another person or ache. The second thing is that they would always be on your mind. And in our relationship with God, the third thing I want us to check when we are having our DTRs, do we uh, have this problem of not stopping, uh, not being able to stop talking about God? That God comes out in our, our conversations, in our language, ever so often during the day. And if it isn't, why is that not so? When I was uh, dating Terry, that, was a th that would happen, right? I would tell my family, I would tell my friends, um, uh, my coworkers about the person I was dating. It's natural. 
is that when you're excited about something, you, you will share about it to the rest of the world, whether it's good food, a good restaurant, a good ball game, and especially if somebody is very special in your life, you will share them with others. In the Bible, an example of this happening is, that, is the story of the woman at the well. When Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, she has this, he has this conversation with her. And after that encounter with Jesus, where Jesus tells a lot about her life, she's amazed and she's changed and transformed. And the first thing she does is she goes to her, her neighborhood again and tells everybody about Jesus. So essentially that Samaritan woman at the woman of the well is actually the first evangelist. She hears the good news of, of the Messiah, of the Christ, and her reaction is to go tell everybody immediately. And the scripture tells us in, in, in that story from John 4 that many came to see Jesus because of her invitation and of her uh, sharing about what, what Jesus told her. In verse 28 to 29 in John 4, it says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And that's, as I said, is the benefit of scripture memorization. That you can use it to share with others, especially in their times of need, to give counsel when they need it. And so is that happening in your life? Now, one of the things I, I told you I like to do is to play basketball. And I still do as much as I can. Uh, I go on Friday nights and I play with a bunch of guys uh, at, this, at this gym. And, and it's a mixed group. There are some guys who are churched and there are some guys who are not churched. And this past uh, a, a week ago, a, a week ago, there was uh, one guy who actually came to me and, and asked me how the church is going. And I didn't, I didn't approach him and I don't often like to talk about church and, and basketball and, and, and things like that unless they invite me to. So this one guy who knows that I'm a pastor, he, he asked me, uh, how's the church going? I said, it's fine. And, and I know him because I know his story. He's actually a pastor's kid. He's a PK. And, uh, but he's not church now because he, he has shared that uh, he saw some hypocrisy in his own father. That his father, as a pastor, would show his public face, and then his private face was totally different than his public face. And so as being his son, he saw this disconnect. And some of the things that his father did to his mother and to him turned him away from the church. So he has some baggage about that and some hurt and pain because of that. And so I knew that, and, and, but he, he came and asked me, oh, how's the church? And I said, oh, it's, it's fine, it's great. Uh, and, and then he said, you, he continued on by saying, do you know my story? I said, yeah, I've heard. I've heard that, that you're not in the church anymore because of some things that, that happened. And he said, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I'm starting to... to turn change a little bit because my mother is not well and, and I'm spending a lot of time and she's kind of inviting me back 
into the church. And I said, cool, okay. And then he said, but you, Calvin, you, you, you've probably been in the church all your life. And I, and I said, oh, no, 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 you got it all wrong. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I've been in the church all my life. And, and I, I honestly, to tell you, I, I'm not that good a person. I mean, I, I, if you knew my past, I've done some terrible things too. So, and, and then that was a moment where scripture memorization was very helpful because it's part of my testimony. I said, okay, I'll go ahead and share my testimony to this guy. So some of you have heard it. Essentially, at a time where I had a failure in my life and I was really upset, I was ashamed, I was embarrassed, I was really depressed, and I was looking at life not worth living. And at that time, I, sh I, I did a sh quick prayer to, to Jesus, and I said, please save my life. And then just a few minutes after that, there was a knock on my apartment door, and this couple who was sharing the gospel in the neighborhood said, do you know Jesus, and would you like to know Jesus? And she, they gave me a Bible, and on the back of the Bible was this verse, and it's my life verse. It's Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And those were the most appropriate words to speak to me at a time of need. And it was just instantaneous like that to have that kind of miracle experience from God in answering my prayer. And so I shared that, that story with my friend on the basketball court, and he said, wow, that's an amazing story. Now, if I had an experience like that, maybe I would be back in the church, right? But he didn't have that, that experience yet, and he said, yeah, what I've seen in the church, it just don't, it's not for me. But when I was saying that verses, which is kind of cool, and this is my belief, whenever we share God's word and we have it memorized and we have it on our mouth and we say it, as I was saying, Come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My friend, something triggered off in his head, in his memory banks, and he continued on, and he said, you will find rest in your souls. So that was cool. Here's a PK kid, been away from the church for something like 40-something years, and then all of a sudden, I'm praying scripture, and then it triggers something in him, and he completes what I'm saying by saying you will find rest for your souls. And that, that's a, a power of the gospel. That is the power of scripture that it does not return void. That this person who had a hard heart was repeating back to me words that have been imprinted in his brain. And so I said, you know, I encourage you to, to, to not give up on God, to continue your journey and maybe come Come visit us here on Sunday morning. So that was my, my opportunity to share the gospel, but also it was an opportunity to, to share with you that memory verses can be useful at times like that. And so in, as an application for this week, uh, for my message, there's always something good to, to, to remember. One thing if you want to do is memorize Psalm 42, verses 1 to 2. If you take that home, do that, practice that, that would be worthwhile. As the deer pants for streams of, of water, my soul pants for you, O God. That's verse 1. Verse 2, go ahead and memorize those things. It'll be helpful. That's one takeaway from the message if you do that. But in your, in your programs, there's a, is, there should be a communication card. I think there's a, a survey on it. I didn't see if it was there. But it asked two questions. Is it there? 
One is that you would commit to have a DTR this week. Just check it off. And the other one is that you will commit to memorize some scripture passage. I put some suggestions there. You could follow along with the staff to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 7, or Psalm 23, very common one that we use at memorial services and one that many people are familiar with about the shepherd. Uh, the third one I suggested is the Beatitudes, the blessings from the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most famous and his first sermon. Memorize those. It would be not only good for your soul, but it would be good to be useful in some time that you have not imagined yet. Or there's a blank spot. You could pick whatever you want. But if you can make that commitment, I would appreciate that. And you can make that commitment today. Uh, and, and actually drop it in the offering bag, and then we would know how many of you would make that commitment. It would be cool. So that's one of the takeaways from my message today is that you would make that commitment because change doesn't happen unless we make commitments. Commitments result in change. So why do this? Why grow in our delight of God? Well, one reason is we want to become more like Christ. And during Lent, that's, that's our opportunity to reflect on ourselves, to become more like Christ. But also, it is to experience more joy, because having more joy will allow us to face the troubles that come each day. Life is hard, and without the joy that comes from God, life will be even harder. So that's why I encourage to have that kind of joy. And one way to do that is to have that kind of relationship where your heart aches for God and he's always on your mind and you can't stop talking about him to others. And what does that look like? What does it, a person with that kind of joy look like? To face hardship and still have joy in their life. Now, I don't know if a lot of you have been following social media or, or what's happened in the NBA but one of the coaches from the Oklahoma City Thunder, right, his wife got killed, Monty Williams, in a car accident. And at his wife's memorial service, he shared a eulogy. And actually, I want us to look at that video. And that is a testimony of a man who has um, joy in his life. That's a, an amazing testimony to be able to give forgiveness to someone who, who killed, killed your wife in an accident. That's evidence of a man who has joy in his life, in spite of the circumstances, to be able to do that. And it only comes with a holistic, solid relationship with God. So that's my desire for all of you. As the psalmist writes, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. And that is my prayer and my hope for each one of you. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful that you are such a loving God to us who is so undeserving and sometimes even rebellious. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to uh, be long-suffering that your love will endure forever, that you will continue to reach out to each one of us so that we may be made whole
by your presence in our lives. Give us joy. Give us more joy. And as each one of us spends time with you this week in that DTR, may you help us to understand what it means to ache for you, to always have you on our minds, and to not be able to stop talking about you to anyone, just someone other than ourselves. So I thank you in the most precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.